0: Greetings. You are listening to t es The Art of Unlearning with your host, Ralph Rendillard. And I have the honor, privilege, and pleasure of sitting across from a phenomenal brother, a phenomenal artist, Mr. Sean Mulkey. How you doing, Sean? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. It's, it's definitely uh, long overdue. We've worked together on a few different projects, and um, I'm a big fan of your work. I know a lot of people who are really intrigued by your approach to art and and the work that you produce and so this is a great opportunity for us to sit down and actually kind of open up and unpack some of those some of those ideas and really kind of dig deep into who you are as an artist so i'm excited
1: awesome so, awesome yeah yeah you doing all right man i'm pretty good you know I'm just um very relaxed um got a lot of um projects ahead so i'm just kind of staying focused, you know, just kind of trying to stay grounded. So if I seem kind of mellow, there's nothing wrong with me. It's just I'm focused. Oh, yeah, no
0: doubt, no doubt. And sometimes the whole interview process can be, you know, kind of uh, daunting a little bit sometimes. So I want it to be really kind of cool and, and just real chill. And I just he- I heard that you actually came back from New York
1: recently. Can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that trip? Ah, oh, man, uh, it was quite an experience, you know, um, considering that it was my first time, you know, going to New York. So I'm not going to say that it was a total culture shock, but definitely um, everything that I imagined it to be on TV, you know, um, uh, that's, you know, basically kind of how I saw it. But uh, it was quite an experience, got a chance to see a lot, um, definitely going back, you um, um, got a chance to visit the um, Modern um, Museum of Art, or the museum. Oh, the, of, uh, oh yeah, the Museum of Modern Art. Sorry, I had to right. correct that. Um, the Museum of Modern Art. So I got a chance to see a lot of the greats um, within one building. It was just phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been there before, yeah. and it,
1: it is actually beautiful. Yeah. Did, and you did some live painting there as well. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah. There was an event um, that I attended that um, um, I had the opportunity to meet various other artists and, and also had an opportunity to paint live, you know, showcase my talent, and it was very well received. And um, the painting that I did was a, you know, it was a pretty dope concept, you know, a tribute painting to um, New York City. Um, didn't get a chance to finish it while I was there, but it was a good thing because I was a- able to take it back home to Atlanta. And finish it. So I'm still, you know, kind of working on it now.
0: But overall, it was
1: just a great experience uh, being in New York. You know, being able to explore the city a little bit. You know, the only bad part about being there in New York was it was just extremely short. Oh right, <laughs> so you wish then, you had a little bit more time. Yeah, but I'm definitely going back though.
0: Well, let me ask you. Um, again, a, a lot of people are starting to take notice of, about your work and pay attention to your work.
1: Can you describe your art to the listeners? Um, yeah, I can, I do the best of my ability to describe it. Um, but I work a lot with perspectives, so that'll be the the main thing that you'll notice right off the bat, is my use of perspectives. Um, I do paint at a large scale because I want the audience to get A a true feel of the perspective as if they are a part of the scene or whatever is going on and a lot of my work I wouldn't really call it um, I'm I'm not a political person so I don't do a lot of political art but um, I do tend to go there at times only if I feel unctioned to Um, but a lot in the way that I can describe my work is um, perspective realism.
0: Perspective Uh, realism, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, perspective uh, realism to where I kind of use a lot of my life and just my past experiences and just whatever is going on around me to kind of create a narrative. uh, Right. Because I'm very um, story driven when it comes to my work. Um, And
0: I'll pick that up in your work anyway. Um, who are
1: some of the artists that may have inspired you? Oh, man. There's um, a few artists that definitely inspires, you know, the type of work that I do. One um, being Justin Bua. Um He's a New Yorker. Um, big Justin. And, I have a big Justin Bua painting in my house. Mm-hmm. Right above
0: my sofa. So I'm a big Justin
1: Bua guy. No doubt. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Uh, yeah. But just his use of perspectives and his over-exaggeration of the, human anatomy, of the human anatomy and the architecture, just how he utilizes that it kind of stretches it and just makes some of it kind of like disproportionate, you know, and that can be like a character within itself. So I really took notice of that and um, just became hooked, you know, just became a fan of his style of work. Um, another artist is um, he's from Austria. You know, he's an Austrian artist by the name of Volker. And it's Oka. his wow, yeah, v o um k a, and it's just his use of colors, you know, um, just his um spontaneous use of colors where it's very loose and um, it's not very um, um, I'll say it's not very clean, but um, it works for him, you know, and, and he does a lot of um, landscapes, he does portraits. Of iconic people, but it's just the way he uses his colors, and it's just an array of different, various colors. And you know, he put it together and just creates something very dope. So I try to utilize that a lot in my work. Not very much, but I do have an appreciation for his work. And there's another artist that I appreciate, Um, he's a um, Nigerian based. Based out of um, London, his name is Adibanchi Alade.
0: Um, wow!
1: And say
0: that five times fast. I, I, <laughs> I you want know, to get that right. Adibanchi.
1: Um, it's Adibanchi Alade. Okay, I, I, I hope I, I'm, I'm saying it say right. name. I'm not going <laughs> to even try that one. Yeah, Adibanchi Alade, but um, he's a British Nigerian, and one of the things that intrigued me was his um, sketchbooks. But he calls himself the addictive sketcher. So, but he's also a master painter, um, by the way, as well. But what drew me to him was his sketches. You know, he has hundreds of sketchbooks that um, just is very intriguing. I and love Salvador
0: Dali. He, he has this idea that he sketches in the morning and he paints at night. Mm-hmm but his sketches sell for like $20,000 a piece. So he was saying at the time that he likes to make $20,000 before breakfast. And I was oh, like, hey, "Yo, that's cold." You <laughs> know <ain't nothing. laughs> that. almost bothered me man no, when he said that. No, that's that residual income, <laughs> you
1: know, that's hey, that's a hey, that's a goal right there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a goal, <laughs> that's man. Definitely a goal. No, but, but you you're moving in the right
0: direction. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, beyond being a famous artist because I asked artists all the time what do you consider being an artist like what's your really what's your your goal behind art beyond just being a famous artist and so I'll ask you what is the integral work of an artist and what role does the artist play in
1: society for me as an artist you know when it comes to um a community um as a whole, um, they're, they're pretty much, um, I would say, hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, because artists have a a hard role. We're almost (laughs) visionaries in society. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, I think that they're, you know, documenters, you know, if that is a word, <laughs> you know. Um, I, get, I, they, get the, I get the sentiment. Mm-hmm. They record, you know, we record, you know, events that takes place on a day-to-day basis, you know. You know, we're kind of like the eyes and the ears, you know. You know, we are the voice of, you know, our community, you know, and it's very universal. Mm. So, you know, whatever goes on in our community, the things that, you know, public, you know, the public, you know, is really afraid to say we're not afraid to say it. And we utilize our art to speak about different issues or, you know, it wouldn't necessarily have to be an issue, but just things that goes on in our community. And we're not afraid to um, voice our opinions about um, those certain topics. So as an artist, you know, it's an, it is very important for us to be extremely um, cognizant of our surroundings and what goes on, you know, within our society on a day-to-day basis. Because well, if you think
0: even historically, they always look to the artists. Even when I look at documentaries now, they always look to the artists to define what like a period was like in history. Mm. So, you know, whether that's filmmakers, whether it's painters. You know, they always go to the artist to get the artist's interpretation of what that time period was like. So what Mm -hmm. you're saying is, is that our job as artists now in 2018 is to somehow document or categorize or uh, or uh, contextualize this period that we're living in.
1: Right, exactly. You know, because like you said, you know, when we look Mm -hmm. at history books, and we see not really like um, real photographs, but we do see paintings of different events that has taken place, you know, back in that particular time. You know, that, that's done by an artist, you know. That's you right, kind of like their perspective of what happened or perspective of certain iconic people back in that time. So, and you know, not every artist, you know, they have their own reason for why they do what they do? You know the type of art that they do, but overall, in general, you know, we are recorders. You know, we are um, the now, ones. Now, would that you
0: say the cell phone now has replaced that that need? Because historically, the artist would have to render mm-hmm. things to kind of document it, but now you have a cell phone that basically does the same thing. So, has the cell phone made made artists
1: obsolete? I wouldn't say that it made um art obsolete because you know cell phones they pretty much have taken place in other aspects. But with you know as an artist, you know, it the cell phone hasn't taken place um of art in reference us in reference to how we express ourselves, you know, because a lot of times, you know, we can express ourselves in reference to the cell phone, you know. What the cell phone has done to our society, but it still needs our personal viewpoint of you know it'd be cool to do a series of like painting cell phones. Like maybe
0: paint uh, maybe like paint a version of a cell phone. So mm-hmm. it's almost like you're documenting the thing that's that's there to document.
1: Right, right, right. So yeah, you know, I do believe that, you know, as an artist, um, because we are very sensitive to our surroundings, you know, it is our duty to be able to, you know, become that voice and give our own interpretation and give our own um, expression of, you know, what is going on around us and within us.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. I know you spent some time in Paris. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, for one, it's a very beautiful city. Um, Were you able to visit some of the, the museums and mm-hmm. take some
1: of the art there? Oh, yeah. Um, um, I got a chance to visit the Louvre, you know, the biggest museum um, in France. should sure, not in the whole world, you know, because the Louvre is a pretty massive museum. Um, the Louvre is a pretty massive museum, you know, which takes <laughs> weeks, if not, you know, a couple of months to see the whole you know, thing. But I've also got a chance to see um, the Notre Dame, of course, the Eiffel Tower, you know, just um, different iconic um, places in Paris. And the culture there is, I mean, it's totally different from here. You know, and for me, as far as, life for artists, you know, it, it, it's definitely more supportive, you know, when it comes to, um, you know, the artists there. You know, um, I've learned that, um, you, know, you know, when it comes to supporting the artists there, the government plays a huge part in, you know, supporting that artist. Wouldn't so that would be not. nice, imagine. <laughs> Yeah,
0: <laughs> but you know what? I think government actually supports a lot of artists in the states, just not black artists. Yeah. I just read an article. But it's mostly
1: before. prevalent.
0: Yeah, you like the prevalent yeah. arts schools mm-hmm. and uh, institutions. Because I just read an article that said that uh, black people are minorities, anyway, not just black people, but minorities only represent 2% of the art market. Actually, it was 1.8%. Of the art market. So that means that there's 98.2% out there that people are enjoying that we
1: can't enjoy.
0: You know, how crazy is that, man?
1: Well, I'll tell you this. Over there in Paris, there are huge, huge supporters of black art. Wow. I mean, they, you know, they support black art, too. I mean, I mean it's just phenomenal because... Um, Kehinde Wally you know, while I was out there, um, 2016, uh, he had an exhibit. Um, his, you know, phenomenal glass, um, stained glass paintings that he did over there at the Petit Palais, and it, it was it was it was gorgeous. You know, you know, and it was quite an honor for me to be able to see that in person. You know, uh, see Kehinde Wally's um, He's a dope. He's collection. a dope cat, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I didn't necessarily like
0: the piece he did. Of Obama I thought um, I thought that an acting president shouldn't have been surrounded by bushes in the woods if you do do that I think it would have been dope for him to have the woods behind Obama versus Obama having trees and forests like in the foreground because to me that represented like the idea that he was already in the woods almost like how you stumble upon a gorilla in the woods already, and it's already there. Like, what the heck are you doing in the woods? You're the president. So, you know, all of the other presidents were at their office and they were, you know, in all of these sort of stately environments, and Obama was in the woods with bushes in the foreground of the painting, which just kind of, again, implies to me that you stumbled upon him already there. Like, he wasn't taking a picture in front of it. So I I didn't like that for that purpose. Um, And I just thought that even the way he had the shoulders hunched and the way he had Obama's face directly proportioned where his ears were kind of protruding. To me, it just seemed like it was almost like overtly like you would try to make him look like a monkey in the woods. And I don't know if that was by choice. I know Kehende Wiley has a lot of ties to Fox and to Lee Daniels with, at Fox. And Fox definitely hates Obama. So I don't even know why Obama would have selected Kehinde Wiley to do his painting. But to me, he's got too many ties to anti-Obama establishment. Mm -hmm. So that's, to me, I just thought that was a curious choice.
1: I guess for me, I never really saw it that way. And when I heard, you know, when I first heard that Kehinde Wiley was doing um, a self-portrait of Barack Obama, I was like ecstatic. I was like like super um, excited for um, to see uh, what it would look like, and when I saw the finished product, it looked dope. You know, I'm so saying I didn't you know share any of you know your you know your views, but at the same time, it's like, uh, that's it. You know, I mean, but it was still a dope painting. But you know, I guess for me, I was looking for more of that authoritarian type of well that's that's um, the point i'm trying to make you know what i'm saying because you know um they had one that he did of iced tea and you know he was i don't know what he was sitting in a throne i think he was sitting in a throne right but he just had this you know regal authoritarian you know demeanor you know when he was sitting on that throne just looking like stupid dope
0: and Obama's in a chair in the woods in the bushes.
1: But the one thing that, um, because I think Barack Obama, you know, during his speech, you know, um, it, you know, as far as the Kenyani Wali piece, I think he had a conversation with Kenyani Wali, stating that, you know, because so many people has placed, you know, Barack Obama on a pedestal, that he didn't really. Want all of the extra You know him on a horse Or him on his grand throne You know because you know People has put him on a pedestal You know for he, so long anyway You're the leader but, of the free world So yeah that kind of yeah, goes so, with the territory So he just kind of told Kenny Wally To kind of like bring it down down a notch So when he said that I was like Okay well you know I mean yeah. I guess but Alright well he said that and But then again you know Sounds sound like cooning to me <laughs> Sounds like good old fashioned cooning, but go but ahead. <laughs> but but you know, um, I think the reason why he chose Kehinde Wiley is the kind of and the thing with Barack Obama and Michelle Obama is that they're all about breaking tradition. You know, because you notice that every president before them has that same pose, that same look, them being in the office. Them sitting down, you know, you know, whatever. It's just kind of like the same mediocre, you know, portrait of the past president. Yeah, shine. So they in, wanted in the, the woods, man. You know, to be honest with you, in the because, woods. I, if he had a
0: rifle, <laughs> I, I would feel a lot better because I'd be like, okay, well, that's what he's doing in the woods.
1: Now, now to be Why honest with you, in with a you? suit
0: in a chair in the woods.
1: Now, to be honest with you, um that didn't really bother me because, you know, he's known for those kind of patterns with like um, other um, portraits that he'd done with like floral um, patterns in the background. And I understand, I also learned that the, the particular plants that he used were native to Chicago, you know, where Barack Obama is from. So that and some of them are native to
0: Hawaii and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the explanation they tried to use to justify it by the way, listeners, just to let y'all know. (laughs) But yeah, I ain't falling for it. But Sean and I are gonna have to agree to disagree (laughs) on this one. And I'm gonna move on to the next question because yeah, I, I I do like Kehinde Wiley's work in general, but um I just thought that in that particular piece was just, you know, it wasn't one of my favorite Kehinde Wiley pieces. Yeah. So anyway. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about your process and how has your practice changed over time?
1: Hmm. Well, um, as far as my process is, I like to take my time, you know, um, to um, execute um, certain concepts, certain ideas in reference to um, what on. I come up with, Hold on one second. Yeah, just pause. Just. Mm-hmm. Thanks,
0: Sean. So can you tell the listeners a little bit about your process and how has your practice changed over time?
1: Okay. Um, well, Because my process is a little bit, you know, because I want to be all over the place, so I'll just kind of keep it brief. But um, I'm a very tedious person and, and my process also deals with layers So I like to work in layers and um, as far as like the foundation and then from there, you know, working from the background Mm -hmm. to the foreground. So, um, of course with me, uh, I paint on black canvases, you know, so, you know, I'm not like, you know, the traditional artist where I paint on white canvases. I know. I have like my technical reasons and also... And, And I just want to unpack that for the listeners.
0: Normally artists paint on a white canvas and it's just white with gesso, but you
1: pre-paint
0: your canvases black first. Right. And then you paint on them.
1: Right, right. And the reason why I do that um, is for numerous reasons. Um, you know, on the technical side, um, it allowed me to manipulate my subjects and my lightings and my shadows a lot more effectively when I'm painting on black canvases. And certain colors that I utilize a lot I like the way they come off on black canvases. Of course, other colors I might have to work a little bit more, but I have um, techniques. Lighter colors, maybe. Right, right, like your yellows and and, and some of your greens. But I have techniques that you know I'm able to utilize to kind of um, allow me to make them a little bit more get the desired effect, mm -hmm, solid and get the desired effect. But um, for me, it's all about creating goals within the main goal, you know, especially, you know, goals when I'm, within the main goal. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Especially when I'm dealing with, um, complex, you know, subject matters and, and, and ideas that I work with. So a lot of times instead of just frustrating myself, trying to get everything in there at once, I like to take, you know, start off with a foundation and then focus on, you know, one goal, Um, complete that goal and then go on to the next goal. And then before you know it, I can stand back and be like, wow, you know, this is exactly how I envisioned um, my work to look like. And, of course, a lot of my work, you know, I start off with sketches, you know, just kind of, you know, sketches that I've done in my um, art journal. And from there, it kind of gets transferred onto canvas. Now, some of my pieces... I don't necessarily um, pre-plan, you know, to that extent. Sometimes I just have to, you know, as I'm working, the ideas start to come. Ah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, because now, do a lot you of t- normally use a, acrylic paint, or do you use a, a watercolor? Do you use oil? What what's typically your your medium?
1: Acrylics. Um, I started off painting in oils and a little bit in watercolors, but once I got my hands on those acrylics, I don't know what it is about that medium, but I just became hooked, you know. It's such a
0: wide range of color in acrylic, too, mm-hmm. that you can you can capture that you can't
1: capture with anything else. Well, I didn't really see it from that ass point, but I think because it's such a simple medium, but yet I can do so much more with it, you know, versus like um, oils where even though oils is oil-based and, you know, it takes longer for, you know, um, oil paint to dry, which makes it more forgiving when it comes to blending, I'm the type of person that I like to take an idea, execute it, and move on to the next without having to worry about paint dry um, right. for weeks and months at a time. Oh, know? yeah. I mean, because absolutely. It's like my mind goes 900 miles an hour in the acrylics, you know, it, it just does it for me. And I just somehow managed to find my way around certain loopholes with, um, acrylics because well, a lot of people, they find it very hard to blend with acrylics, but I'm, I pretty much, you know, um, was able to master the art of blending when it comes to, um, acrylics. You yeah. Know, and you're things. definitely
0: a master at, at your, at your craft. Uh, don't get it twisted. listeners. this brother is super strong. His work is incredible. You guys, um, obviously, you'll be able to see it in the magazine, but we'll make sure that we leave his contact information at the end of this podcast so that you guys can check him out on social media and and other ways that you can access him. Now, this question is a little bit uh, quirky, but I'll ask it anyway. What's your most embarrassing moment
1: as an artist? Uh, that's That's a good question. What was my most embarrassing moment? Um, I guess for me, not being prepared like I should, should be, you know.
0: Now, is this a moment, or is this like a? Because I'm sure there's something that popped whenever somebody asks that. Like, What's your most embarrassing moment? If somebody asked me, like, what's my most embarrassing moment as uh, as an artist, like, I can instantly, like, recall actually busting my ass in front of, like, a room full of people and, like, literally falling, like, chest first on the ground, like, bam! Like, you know, so this just wasn't, it was a bad look.
1: Um, to be honest with <laughs> you, I, I can't really remember a lot of embarrassing moments, Um, embarrassing moments that I've had, you know, um, besides...
0: Well, I guess for me,
1: um, public speaking, Okay. you know, I think it's something that I'm working on and I'm still working on, even when it comes to like this interview, you know, I know I made a lot of mistakes even within this interview, but just public speaking, um, doing interviews, you know, because this is something that I'm, you know, have to work on that I have to Perfect, you know being able to talk about you know who i am as an artist and and um my life as an artist and what art has done for me on a personal level but yeah just public speaking and uh, like i said it's times where i wasn't fully prepared like i should have been so i've kind of gotten like some like funny looks like you know you just serious artists and you don't got your stuff together it's like ah yeah and then all
0: artists go through that that period like where we're trying to get established and there's some things that you know some eyes that we haven't dotted some t's that we haven't crossed so that's standard you know across the board i think that actually builds character in an artist in an artist and it's an opportunity for an artist to grow and to actually even
1: channel that negative energy into something creative and positive. Right, right, right. So even, you know, I I definitely take in consideration even this interview right here, that, you know, I can go home and learn from it. And, you know, certain things that I do, certain habits that I have within interviews, you know, just working on it. So, you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, yeah, I have stumbled a lot, you know, even using certain you know um phrases you know constantly within this interview but you know yeah, I'm still nah, you human and I'm <laughs> yeah. still learning nah so. yeah you good
0: man we, the good thing about uh, us is that we actually have a relationship outside of this uh interview and and Sean and I have known each other now for maybe a year and a half um and we work together on several different projects so that actually makes it a little bit smoother when you're talking to somebody that you know versus like, if you were sitting across from Charlemagne the God, like, he's staring at you with a pair of aviators <laughs> on. Yeah. So, um, just a few more questions here. What do you dislike about the mm-hmm. art world? Um, in, in Atlanta, specifically.
1: Yeah, one thing, one thing that mm-hmm. I kind of dislike about the art community particularly like in Atlanta, is how divided it can be at times, you know, with certain artists. You know, um, we can become extremely cliquish. Right. You know, you know, we have only certain people that we hang with, we deal with, you know, and then if there's a new artist that try to come in, or they kind of show a huge amount of indifference towards that artist, you know. Right. And that's not how I roll, you know, so that's not who I am, I'm more so, I'm very, you know, inclusive when it comes to other artists, you know, and and I mean, that's how you build a community, you know, you know, you don't push people away just because, oh, we don't know you, so, you know, um, yeah. you just start, you know, you know, even like the way you look at a person, you know, just your demeanor. You know, when you look at a person, it's like, okay, yeah, you don't know this artist, but do you have to, like, look at them like it's kind of <laughs> yeah. instant, you know what I'm saying? But that, like, that's
0: Atlanta in general. I think um, yeah. it's so hyper-competitive now because mm-hmm. you know, the movie industry is taking off here. The uh, music industry has long been taken off in Atlanta. So people can kind of feel art being next. Mm-hmm. So people are kind of positioning themselves so that when the boom comes, they can be in position. And so you coming in with the caliber work that you produce is a threat. I found, I've even found that uh, the work that I produce, just coming in and the things that I'm involved in is a threat to people who feel like they're already here and who have paid their dues. And, you know, so I get it. It makes sense, but you know, that's evolution. Everything's always changing. I always say conservatives are the most, the most uh, upset people all the time because they 're always trying to conserve something in a world that's dynamic and always changing right. so if you 're going to try to hold on to something you 're going to be
1: terminally frustrated all the time because nothing stays the same forever that's why that 's why it's so important to be inclusive you know to include you know as many people as many artists as you can you know because for me, I can care less. If you know you're doper than me, or you got more followers than me, it's like, hey, bro, you know what I'm saying? You super dope, you know what I'm saying? Let's work, let's let's collaborate, you know. But if you have this, and that's another thing, you know, some 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 artists don't want to help, you know, other artists, you right? Know what I'm because, like you said, you know, they you know they see you as a triple threat, so they don't want to, you know, share any of their, you know, you know, secrets or ideas because they. Feel that you know you're going, you're going to replace to, them. Some yeah, kind yeah. Of you're going to take their idea and make it your own, and then you know they won't get the credit or whatnot. Which mm-hmm. happens, and, and yeah. you, you know you got to be
0: you got to be honest about the fact that yeah, this is a very competitive environment. Mm-hmm. So in a very competitive environment, you're going to get those kind of distortions.
1: And I definitely understand that. You know, I mean, I definitely understand that. But I guess it is um, the attitude, the manner, and how you deal with that. You know, which is kind of off-putting to me. But, you know, and like I said, you know, I mean, it's you know, it's very competitive. And, of course, everybody, the good thing is that everybody is doing what you do. But the bad side is, is that everybody is doing what you do. Right, you know? <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, I constantly ask myself, like, what am I doing to stand out? You know, what am I doing that nobody else isn't doing? You know, right. You know, to let people know that Sean is in the building. Like, oh man, this is Sean walking right here. You know, you see yeah. this? You no. Know? And
0: I and I don't think you have to worry about that because your work basically mm-hmm. speaks for itself. <laughs> it stands out in the crowd. It definitely stand stood out to me. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask you this, and we're coming down to the end of our list. So two more questions for you. Is the artistic life lonely? And what do you do to counteract it if it is?
1: Uh, I guess for me, you know, uh, can't really speak for other artists, but as for me, I've always been kind of like a loner, you know, an introvert, you know, and I see art as an escape, you know. Um, I wouldn't say that um, I feel lonely, you know, but I'm not lonely, but um, I do kind of break away from art from time to time. You know, because even though I am an introvert, you know, I still have family and I still have friends, you know, that, you know, I tend to hang out with, you know, every now and then, you know, just to kind of give it that balance, you know, because I don't want to be cooped up in my apartment days, you know, at a time, you know, just working, 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 and then you come out and you like just... Awkward as hell, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> like your social game is like at all time low. You know, folks are looking at you crazy because of the this work life balance. that you, yeah, yeah, work life balance. So, you know, that's just my way of just trying to keep balance. As a matter of fact, you know, I got a, you know, couple of people that I'll be meeting up with tomorrow. You know, just to kind of you know hang out and you know and vibe out with. You know, and, this, vibe and this and this interview
0: here. is actually in. Mid July, I want to say the 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 actual article will come out next month and maybe mid August. Mm-hmm. So you know the tomorrow reference will cut out. So you don't have, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> right. So I'll ask you this last question: um, If you had your unlimited funds and you could come up with and collaborate with any dream artist or any dream scenario art scenario that you could imagine.
1: What would you do? Oh man. Well, <laughs> that's the that's the golden ticket right there, man. <laughs> right? You know, just unlimited resources, unlimited funding. You know, I mean Shoot, man, you know, pull a Tony Stark, man. You know, nice. <laughs> you <laughs> got nice. that unlimited, you know. So I say, saying, you know, what I mean you can pretty much build your own Iron Man suit. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, pretty man. much the Iron Man suit of, you know, you know what you're trying to accomplish. But, um, for me, and are there any artists,
0: uh, maybe Kehinde Wiley or somebody that you would collaborate with? Sure, I would love to collaborate with um,
1: Kehinde Wiley. A um, matter of fact, all of the um, artists mm-hmm. that I mentioned. Earlier in the interview, I would love to collaborate with them. You know, um, just see where it goes from there. Wow! Know? But um, you know, uh, besides that, you know, you know, next to that, if I had unlimited um, financial um, um, resources, resources, shoot, as I'm, I want to be considered as a resource. center, You know. Because, hmm. because I didn't have that when I was growing up, I would love to provide that for up and coming artists that, you know, they have the passion, they have the, the talent, they have the desire to create, but they don't necessarily have what they need to do what they love to do. So I want to be able to, you know, have a place where they can actually have a place where they can actually um, come to, you know know, to get those resources, whether it's materials, whether it's, like, information, you know, to different um, art events, um, you know, knowledge, you know, whatever it is that pertains to the arts, you know, and of course, I would love to travel, you know, travel internationally, you know, and kind of promote my resources there. Um, yeah. So that's, that's pretty much and, and continue to do the art That I love to do On an even grander scale I have this crazy Crazy idea Which I won't share You know right now Because
0: yeah, I think we, we have somewhere around 400,000 subscribers To uh, t and magazine So you got a strong chance Of a good percentage of them Liking your idea If you, if you leak it too early <laughs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to be the if if I'm not the you know. If I'm not the first, you know, what I'm saying, but basically, kind of, you know, I'm not trying to reinvent the wheel, but just get a, a totally different perspective. You know, no pun intended, into um, this idea or whatnot. But to have unlimited resources would just be dope because I'll be able to do the things that I wanna do on such a grander scale and you know, have the people that I wanna work with, you know, the materials that I would love to work with and just create something dope, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no
1: doubt, man. That, that's that's the, that's the
0: goal anyway, the end game. And I'll ask you um, one last question and, and this is kind of a little bit bizarre too, but I'm always curious, especially when I ask creative this question, Um, If you had, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing about this world, what would it be?
1: Um, Shoot, this may sound cliche, but you know, that this world would just operate out of love. You know what I'm saying? That racism no longer exists. Unfortunately, in the world that we in now, no matter how you try to help it, racism will always exist. But if I had a magic wand, that's something that i do, you know? You, you, you know, want to eradicate, racism? Eradicate racism, you know? Eradicate, eradicate colorism, you know what I'm saying, you know? So I think that's just like the main thing that is just like, you know, that's just the main thing that, you know, I would love to go away, but unfortunately. You don't have the magic wand. We, we don't have that <laughs> magic wand, you know what I'm saying? No so doubt. we just have to deal with it, you know, the best that would be, the best, you know, be the best you in the situation that we're in now, as far as like racism, and just don't let it consume you. Gotcha. Gotcha.
0: Well, hey, I want to thank the listeners. Um, Again, it's really been an honor to sit down and talk with Sean. Uh, give the people a way to contact you or a way to maybe see more of your work.
1: Okay, well, um, if you want to see more of my work or what I'm doing in reference to you know the art scene, um, you can hit me up on my IG Instagram, S um, Smoky Arts, which is S M U L K E Y A R T S. Um, also you can hit me up on, um, Twitter, you know, I got a funny Twitter name, which is <laughs> Jazzer1983. <No>
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: Jazzer, that's J-A-Z-Z-E-R-9-1983. And also you can hit me up on, um, uh, Facebook, which is, um, Sean Mokey, you know, Sean Eric Mokey. So, um, you can hit me up on those platforms. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Good stuff. Well, thank you guys for listening. You have listened to The Art of Unlearning with your host, Ralph Rindillard. We interviewed artist Sean Mulkey. And uh, thank you guys again for listening. Check out his website. Check out uh, his IG. And uh, always stay tuned for what we have coming up next on TNE's podcast, The Art of Unlearning.